following is a message from Praise and Worship, a community of people in Branson, Missouri who are loved by Jesus and joining Him in His mission to bring love and hope to all people. For more information and for more audio and video content, visit www.branson.church. So after reading this uh, text from Hebrews, it kind of got me thinking along the lines of, is faith really enough? You see, we hear all about the faith that all these people from the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all these, let's call them main figures, these key players in the Old Testament, how they were carried out by faith. And I think maybe we read something like that and maybe we kind of think to ourselves or maybe like we kind of ask ourselves internally, is faith really enough? Is faith really enough to do at least on my end, what God promises he's going to do? Is faith really enough to carry me through all of life's burdens? Is it really enough to carry me through the day? Is faith really enough? And, you know, I was kind of thinking about that, like, how does that play out in small day-by-day examples? How does faith really kind of get answered by, is it enough, or will it be enough? Uh, you know, when I was kind of thinking is, uh, when I thought, is it going to be enough? So I, my wife and I just moved to St. Louis, and so I was towing a U-Haul behind me. And one thing that I forgot about was, hey, your gas mileage kind of goes, you know, through the basement when you're towing something really heavy. So I was kind of thinking like, oh my goodness, am I going to have enough fuel to get to the next stop? I had planned to go so much further, but I'm going to need to stop anyways. And then is it going to be enough time to get to the check-in desk in time? Or is, is Abby going to have to go ahead and get it? And is it, is it going to be enough for there? Maybe. And, you know, by God's grace, it worked out. You know, we made it to seminary. We moved in. You know, and that's a small real-world example. But then maybe as far as real-world examples go, maybe we ask that question, is it going to be enough, with something of a little bit heavier weight or a little bit heavier consequences. Like, you know, Is there enough money in my bank account so that I can pay rent this month? Do I have enough money to go to the grocery store and pick up the food that we're going to need for the week until payday? Is it going to be enough? You know, maybe we ask ourselves that question. Maybe we find ourselves in those situations where we think, is it enough? And maybe we kind of take a look at that a little more more personal, a little more introspectively, and we say, Am I a good enough friend? Am I a good enough son? Am I a good enough uh, spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever the case may be? Am I a good enough person to where I want to be in life right now? Do my friends, do my family, do my parents think that I'm good enough? And you see, it's easy to kind of like take that question Am I or is this good enough? And to kind of just fall down or kind of snowball down this slippery slope into thinking, am I a good person? Am I a good Christian? Am I a good whatever? Am I a good employee? Am I a good, you name it. And maybe we all have asked that question about ourselves in some respect. Maybe we haven't all asked it about the same thing. But I think we all kind of wrestle with, is it? enough. You see, when I was in college, one of the 
my friends showed this to me, and I thought it was kind of funny, but I also kind of thought, wow, yeah, this is kind of uh, applicable. And if you can't read it, it's a triangle, and on the top it says good grades. On the bottom it says social life and enough sleep. You can pick two. You can pick two, and that's all you get room for. You only have enough for these two. Yeah, you can have a social life and enough sleep, but what's your report card going to look like? Or you can have good grades and a social life, but when's the last time you took a nap? Or you can have enough sleep and good grades, but when's the last time that your friends have seen you? Or you went out with them for a cup of coffee, or you just went and hung out with your friends? You see, the thing is, we could probably all look around in our lives and say, there is somewhere, there is some area that I know I'm falling short. There is some area where I know I could be better. There is somewhere, there is something in my life where I am not good enough, where I am not enough. And see, I think that's why I really kind of like this text in Hebrews, because we don't really know who wrote the book. We don't really know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we know that they knew their stuff, because they're like I said earlier, they're taking all these Old Testament examples. They're taking all these people of huge, uh, who had huge moments of faith or huge moments of God working through them. And he talked about how faith carried them out. Again, here are the names that uh, the writer mentions. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. All of these people were sustained in faith by God. And look at what God accomplishes through all of these people, right? Maybe we all know or are familiar with Abraham. And if you're not, I'll give you a very quick rundown. So Abraham and his wife, Sarah, were very, very old. But God had promised Abraham that you will have offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. But Abraham was getting up up there in age. He was like 75 years old when God told him, I'm going to give you a son. And then 24, 25 years later, God finally blessed Abraham and Sarah with a son, Isaac. Do you think that Abraham probably had low points in faith where he thought, I'm never going to have a son. I'm never going to have that promise that God had laid out for me. I bet you he did. If I was 75 years old and God had said, you're going to have a son, and then kept me waiting for another 24 years. I bet all of us would probably think, yeah, you have to have a lot of faith. Or maybe there were times where you thought, no, this isn't true. I don't have enough faith for that. And think about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and about all, and Moses. Moses was kind of like the big dog. Like if you heard somebody talking about Moses in the Bible, especially like New Testament, like Jesus' time frame, <clears throat> you knew that they were trying to make a point because everybody and their moms, dogs, roommates, ex-boyfriend knew about Moses. They knew what he did. They knew, the, they knew the impact that he had on Israelites and on the people of God. So when he says that it wasn't Moses who did all these things, it was God. And God provided for Moses and sustained him in faith. You knew that he was trying to make a point. You knew that he was trying to get something across that faith does incredible things. 
and that faith is enough. But we don't see stuff like Moses parting the Red Sea. We don't see stuff like, you know, people who are advanced in age having children. We don't see these direct miraculous signs happening in our everyday lives. So yeah, it might be a little hard for us to say like, well, yeah, it's easy. It'd be easy to see or to have faith when God is leading you by pillars of fire and smoke every day. It's easy to have faith in God when he splits the Red Sea and carries millions of Israelites across the water, across the dry land. It's easy to have faith in God because he's right there. We don't have that today. In a world that is broken and has so many poor and just horrendous things happening, you, go, you don't have to look very far, do we? We, can, we get those updates on our phone or we turn on the TV and something else has happened. We, have, we live in a world where it almost seems like the opposite. Instead of grand, miraculous faith building things, we see things like gunmen going into Walmarts and schools and taking the lives of millions of innocent people or dozens and dozens of innocent people. Where is the faith in that? Where is God in that? How can we have faith in a God who lets these things happen? How can we have faith when he's not directly at at our beck and call or how he's not doing these things in our lives daily? You see, it's really easy to get down on ourselves like that, especially when we don't see him, when we don't have that faith. We don't have that direct eyesight or that direct experience with God. But what Jesus calls us to do, or here, even before we talk about that, how many of us have said this to ourselves on the wheel? So it's, I'm not blank enough. And I understand it's kind of hard to see. I'm not creative enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. And you know, I bet we could all probably fill in something in that blank space that says, that applies to us, or that really hits home to us. And see, that's one of the devil's favorite tactics. That's one of his favorite things to do, is tell us, you are not blank enough. You are not strong enough. You are not good enough. The devil loves to remind us and throw in our face areas where we fall short in our lives. He loves to tell us that you are not enough. So we know what the devil says. We know what the world says. We know what we probably tell ourselves on those bad days. What does Jesus say? Does Jesus say that faith is really enough? Jesus tells us that he is more than enough. The words of Matthew eleven twenty eight. maybe a lot of us are familiar with this Bible verse. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all who are tired, who are beaten down, who are exhausted, who can't go anymore, who are running on fumes, whose tank is run dry. Come to me, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I will sustain you because I am more than enough for you. My love is more than enough for whatever the world or sin or the devil is trying to throw at you. Jesus is more than enough. 
And honestly, when we think about Jesus and more than enough and more than the devil, brothers and sisters, hear this. The devil is a sore loser who will try to make us feel guilty every single day about being on the winning side. He's a sore loser because he knows that he's been defeated. He knows through Christ's death, his resurrection, his love, anything that he can throw at us, it's already been defeated. So now the devil is just kind of wallowing around, and he's trying to separate us. He's trying to make us feel guilty for what Jesus did for you. That's going to be his biggest attack. That's going to be his biggest thing. Jesus, you're not worthy for what Jesus did for you. And yes, we're not. But that's what makes Jesus' love so impactful for us. We're on the winning side, not because of anything that you or I have ever done or ever will do, but because of who Jesus is, because of what he did and because of what he does for us. I kind of like, we heard it in Hebrews 12, Jesus is called the author and perfecter of our faith. Another way to look at that is when you look, or if you look at the Greek, the words that it's used for author and perfecter actually are kind of synonymous with the beginning and the end, or the perfecter, or the completer. Jesus, the beginning of our faith, and the person who brings it to completion when he calls us home and we spend eternity in heaven with him. You know, Jesus said this to Paul when Paul was complaining about the thorn in his side, when Paul was complaining about, Jesus, I'm trying to do your mission, and I don't have enough. Remove this thorn in my side so that way I can do your mission. And Jesus, and Paul says this, or Jesus says this to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore I, Paul, will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ will cover me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am tired, I am awake. When I am exhausted, I am full not because of Paul, not because of anything that he's done, but because of Christ, because of that grace that is sufficient for Paul. And if it was sufficient for Paul, it's sufficient for all of us. Again, not by anything that Paul has done. But if we see Jesus love and care for a single person, how much more does he do that for all of us? How much more does he care for you in your struggles and in your day-to-day life where we fall short. His grace and his love is sufficient for us. And so then how do we respond to that? How do we respond knowing that no matter what, no matter what schemes or tactics or sins the devil tries to throw in our face, how do we respond? How do we live to what Jesus has done for us? And I think the words from Thessalonians here do a really good job of that. Encourage each other up and build each other up. You see, how do we respond? We build each other up. We pour God's word back into each other's lives. We all bear with each other when one of us is having a bad day. We rejoice in the, we rejoice in the victories and we grieve in the defeats. We live with each other. We 
bond with each other because Christ calls us not to be in just a singular relationship with him. Christ calls us to be the body of Christ. He calls us to take each other's burdens, to bear with each other. He says, for where two or more are gathered, there I will be also. Let's live with each other. Let's live each other's lives. Let's bear and let's love and let's take each other and point each other back to the author, to the beginning, and the perfecter and the completion in our faith in Jesus. Because see, everybody has their own weaknesses. And we're called to be in community with, we're called to love on, and we're called to be the body of Christ. Not just other Christians, not just other people who believe or think the same things that we do. But we're called to do that to the world. We're called to do that to people who might think differently or might live differently than, than we might. And that's okay because everybody has their own weaknesses. Everybody can be reminded of where they fall short in life. Everybody can be reminded of where they don't measure up. And we're not called to measure them. We're not called to hold them to that standard. We are called to love, encourage, and build each other up. So let's go do that. Let's continue to bring that love and continue to bring that encouragement that comes from Jesus, not just to people here, but to the rest of the world. Because by ourselves, we will never be enough. We can't do it on our own. You can try, but you will run out. But in Jesus, we will always have more than enough. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.